You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to Yarra Bosque Users Group Radio for Monday the 11th of October 2021. We're proud to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which we transmit people-powered radio. Yarra Bosque Users Group Radio, we're a show about bikes, cycling, urban transport issues, micro-mobility, active transport. On today's show, I'm going to be chatting to Alex Dyer, co-chair of Cycle Wellington, in news and events, coming up, Osroads have got a Cycling for Sustainable Cities webinar and that's going to be on Tuesday the 19th of October. That's going to have Ralph Buller, Professor and Chair of Urban Affairs and Planning in the School of Public Health and International Affairs at Virginia Tech, and John Pulcher, School of Planning and Public Policy at Rutgers University. So there's no charge, but registration is necessary. You can go to osroads.com.au and look up webinars. If you're in the CBD, pop down to South Bank and check out the Whiteman Street separated lanes. Westbound is, I think, complete and eastbound's going to be happening soon. The lanes there, they're connect to Queensbridge, William Street and down to the Port Melbourne Trail. Also coming up, part of the state government's package that uh, to roll out 100 kilometres of pop-up bike lanes, third part of it is uh, focusing on Footscray. So if you go to vicroads.vic.gov.au and look up pop-up cycling uh, information on there, they'll show you what's going on in Footscray. And also, as again, I'll put all that information into the podcast description. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, Melbourne's Voice of Dissent. 3CR Community Radio, 855 on the AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au or on 3CR Digital in Melbourne. Hi, I'm Alex Dyer. I am a co-chair at Circle Wellington. I just try and keep the, uh, the wheels turning here, doing a lot of advocacy, keeping uh, our council honest and uh, yeah, trying to get uh, better infrastructure for people on bikes. The the most southern tip of the North Island, I often refer to it as uh, Central Belt, um, we're on the North Island. With Cycle Wellington, can you give the listener a bit of a thing of how do you advocate? Is it just you just go to the city council or there's other bodies that you uh, work with? It's quite interesting here. Wellington uh, is probably fairly traditional for New Zealand where we have a local council and then we have also a regional council and then we also have to deal with Waka Kotahi or the New Zealand Transport Agency. And they, yeah, so we have layers of transport authorities that we have to deal with. Uh, most of the time we spend trying lobbying towards the council, yeah, because they're, they're in charge of the local streets and that's what we're most concerned with, yeah. 
Yeah, so what's the cycling environment like where you are in Wellington? Uh, is it, you know, like a lot of New Zealand, you have flat bits and uh, then uh, pointy bits and uh, lots of steep roads, or is it like a, a really nice cycling environment? Well, I'll lead with it's a really nice cycling environment. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's going to be a lot uh, hillier than uh, most parts of Australia, I can be, I can be sure. <laughs> but, yeah, I was, I was talking to some people today about it's, you know, it's, oh, it's hilly and the weather's, it's, you know, we've got a reputation for some weather here in Wellington. It really is a fun place to ride. There's, there's no shortage of fun places to get to. We've got just world-class mountain biking, like just threaded throughout the city. It's just so fantastic. And it's e-bikes and all of the, you know, the advancements and tech is just makes, it just flattens all the hills and, and um, you know, softens all the headwinds. So it just makes it more fun, I think. Yeah, and how is the actual environment, and, and I mean environment, by what you, you're dealing with, you know, with other you know, road users, the attitudes over there? I, I guess it's always in a bit of a state of flux. Generally okay, but we have a lot of challenge. It's, it's quite a compact city. We're a harbour city. We're quite constrained by, by the, uh, the landscape in terms for space. The sheer volume of large, I call them dangerous, polluting, heavy traffic on the roads nowadays, uh, it really does you know, use up all the, the valuable space really quickly. So it's somewhat fraught. Wellington was never designed for large amounts of traffic. So can be a challenge to get around by bike it's not for the faint-hearted and that's why we do a lot of what we're doing is just really pushing for really respect the, the hierarchy of priority which is people and active and healthy transport because I was noticing you doing some of the stuff that made the news over here it was like stuff that uh, urban nerds was doing and it was pretty cheeky I mean you need to do things like that you'll have to remind me which, which thing because oh, it was it was it. Urban Nerds, I think, was the ones who were doing the pop-up lines and stuff. Is that the... Yeah, so, yeah. Um, we, that Urban Nerds is a, um, is a crowd that uh, meets up on uh, the second Tuesday of every month in here in Wellington. Mm. And they're, uh, they're all from all walks of life that are really interested in making urban living better. And our group, the, the, the pop-up cycle lane is called the Urban Repair. I've got the two confused, yeah. It's the Urban yeah. Repair Crew, sorry. Yeah. No, no, not at all. That stuff's brilliant because from I can know from a Melbourne perspective, we had some th things like this happening. Like, and I think we're a little bit too browbeaten here. People don't do this now. The, the um, car parking days and stuff like that. The urban repair crew—they've gone out and made their own pop-up bike lanes, which is pretty yep. cheeky. This has made a couple of news articles. You just want to go over what they've done. Yeah, so uh, it was right where near where I live, uh, and we held a working bee. I attended this working bee with with everyone, and everyone volunteered and pulled together a whole bunch of uh, pallet wood, and uh, everyone brought their own tools, and we just uh, we put together a whole bunch of uh, planter boxes. Uh, someone else was working on little um, sort of you know home you know handmade uh hit sticks if you will out of um electrical conduit orange electrical electrical conduit and so we had um we had sort of 20 planter boxes and 20 of these hit sticks and um and then we we rocked up um on a section of fairly uh fairly busy road 
you know, quite a wide road and we just consumed this whole parking lane, which is, you know, it's empty 90% of the time and it's only fills up really on weekends when people come play soccer at the local, um, at the local grounds. Uh, so, yeah, so we just rocked up. We placed the planter boxes, nice plants in them and the sign, you know, bike lane signs on them and everything. Uh, reflective tape and you know so it was pretty that it was nice uh we thought it was fairly safe uh, and then we had a, a cycle lane for um, uh, the better part of the day you're listening to 3cr community radio 855 am on digital and online 3cr radical radio So that, I bet that was uh, kind of uh, um, received in an interesting way by the media. It looked like it was a really fun exercise to do it. And you, the way that you was involved with that, it picked that area, it was a really good use of the, the you know, not used space. You're like you're using a shoulder, like you said, the, the parking to make your own bike lane. and. Yep. Protected, you know, and you've got, you got the, you're looking at the planters here, you've actually got plants in them and you've got little, little wandy bits with a conduit. There was obviously some interesting feedback about that. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I, we got some interesting feedback and inverted commas from, from some, uh, you know, angry folk on the day even. Yeah, <laughs> but, but uh, it, didn't, it, it lasted sort of not even 24 hours before some council contractors came and, and shifted it all off the road and but they didn't take it away so we just uh put it back up the next morning and and got another morning out of it yeah and so what's the long-term plan that urban repair crew have for that area do they you know to have proper separated infrastructure yeah yep so urban repair, urban repair crew uh we're, we're yeah that's kind of our uh Gorilla arm. <laughs> but yeah, Cycle Wellington have been, we worked really hard on getting a really good result, uh, encouraging a lot of people to submit on the long-term plan and getting the most uh, ambitious investment from the council that was on the, that was on the table. So the long-term, like a 10-year plan document, which they revise every, 10, every three years, mm. right? So they're setting an agenda for the next 10 years and actually assigning a budget to that 10 years. Their agenda is to have delivered a fully um, connected cycle network across Wellington City, which involves 147 kilometres of protected or near protected cycle lanes, some of our busiest roads, and yeah, connecting all of our suburbs. There's been a bit of frustration about how they've been going over the last 10 years. It's, it's a bit patchy. It's kind of like not involving, you get um, both ends of the stick. You get some suburbs saying you're picking on us and we don't want it here. And then you get other people saying, why are you ignoring us? You know, so um, <laughs> I think this is a really ambitious and I'm, I'm really uh, enthusiastic about what they're trying to do because they're also just, they're trying to change the way that they work, which is moving towards more of what we were doing with the urban repair crew, which is putting things in repurposing the space in the most cost-effective and community-engaging way and then perfecting stuff later, you know, when, yeah. when people are used to the new configuration. So the council have been looking at that and we've been saying that we, we'd like the way that they work to change for a long time. And I guess that's what that pop-up cycle way was trying to do is to sort of demonstrate more of the way that we'd like them to work. So 
like to their credit, the council have been doing that too. Tactical installation of a bike lane in uh, another suburb here called Brooklyn, and it was an uphill bike lane, and they did that in a really quick turnaround learning from how they're doing it as they go and and improving on it as they get feedback. Wellington Council there would have had like some type of existing bicycle plan or strategy and they haven't been following it or has it been ad hoc or is there some larger transport plan they're working to? They had a like a, a cycling master plan that was largely you know of a similar blueprint they'd been working to it with really just their traditional consultation and and, and engagement and you know over-engineered up front kind of process yep. yep so they had that and we've had 10 years of that the, the number of kilometers per year is it's not encouraging and it's not the speed we need to change so um and and that's why we're hopeful of how they've how they changed their tune and their they're really putting some money into a more um, aggressive process. So, like the impetus would be coming from you know people in New Zealand, Wellington got climate change. We've got a whole bunch of issues, and what, people are wanting to see better cycling infrastructure. That is that is that the kind of like, the impetus they want a better push, or there are other things happening on the ground there. Definitely a major factor of it. There's uh, climate and and emissions reduction is kind of just the straw that broke the camel's back is what I would, how I think of it because I'm thinking of all of the other ways that our transport systems are failing us these last several decades. The need to lower emissions is major driver for sorry sorry for using driver major impetus to get a change. G'day, my name is Margie Thorpe. You are listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 on your dial. Is any of the council there done anything to do with changing things because of COVID? We have had lockdowns. It's strange, it's strange for everyone, right? But yeah. it's, it's, been, it's been strange here in that the first wave major lockdown that we had last year Uh, The council did sort of stand up a bunch of plans to provide some space for physical separation. And by the time they got anything sort of half-baked to implement, the uh, alert levels dropped. And then they faced this kind of legal challenge where they'd, well, they faced a legal fear, I guess, where they'd they'd baked into that intervention physical distancing. And as soon as physical distancing wasn't as strictly needed as as it was initially, they backed away from it all. I guess disappointingly, they hadn't learned from that. So that the next lockdown that came along, they they had something really ready to to roll out. But on the other hand, our level four is so restrictive anyway. Ninety percent of our streets just became virtually empty, and people were just jogging in the middle of the road. So it didn't need a whole bunch of other physical intervention. It's a, it's a different story in Auckland at the moment. They're in a much stricter lockdown uh, than the rest of the country or than than most of the rest of the country and they're doing other things which might need some more um, physical distancing intervention on streets. Because I noticed that you've got uh, things that you do with Cycle Wellington in terms of like you know internal stuff you do with it with a group but with your events and activities one of those was it seems like a bunch of the wellington crew went up to auckland to help out with that liberate the lane rally which also heard about here it sounds like you know there's some similar issues happening between the two cities of 
people wanting to show the authorities that things have got to be done in a different way. That was a real alignment of the stars because that was everything kind of went down at the same time at the, as the long-term plan. We ended up uh, timing the long-term plan to be a, sorry, the, uh, the pop-up bike lane to coincide with the, long, the vote on the long-term plan. And we made a real statement with that. And then that ended up being a week out before the Liberate the Lane. Uh, yeah, four of us went up to Auckland sort of a few days after doing the pop-up bike lane here, you know, in solidarity with, with Bike Auckland and yeah. getting being able to liberate the lane. It was so great because we got a lot of attention and then they got a lot of attention. It, it was, yeah, it was um, in everybody's minds. Yeah, can you tell us about, a little bit about the bit of infrastructure that people were riding over? In Auckland? Yeah. <laughs> Not riding over, you mean? Yeah, the Auckland Harbour Bridge is just famously, I guess now, infamously exclusive to cars and heavy traffic. And my vague understanding of the history of that is that it was just such a busy road, no one wanted to bike on it. And But then it also got, uh, I forget when, you know, maybe maybe early 80s or something, got designated as part of the motorway network and then it was off limits officially to people on bikes. They've never built any walking or cycling space across the harbour in Auckland. Fairly similar scale, maybe slightly steeper than the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Yeah. It's, yeah, similar scale. And I tell you, riding over there on the day we did it, it was just beautiful. It was, it was really manageable. The steepness of it is nothing too daunting for, for anyone, really. There were all sorts riding up there, kids and families on cargo bikes and all you know there were people on um crutches walking over it you know they just Ooh. like it was you know everyone wanted a piece of it so yeah auckland have they got any plans to actually finalize these these things that they said like over 30 years ago or is this a kind of like an ongoing thing to keep it keep it in the you know public eye of we need access to this uh auckland the auckland harbour bridge is just this Oh, it's so fraught. At the, the current <laughs> state of affairs is that the Minister of Transport here has said that he's ruled out, I, I believe these are his words, he has ruled out dedicating a lane to active transport across the bridge, but he is still in support of a program of like open days over the summer. That was the that was the initial so the initial request and the reason we did liberate the lane or that Bike Auckland did liberate mm-hmm. the lane. Their their request was to have a dedicated lane for three months as a trial over summer. Yeah. You know, so they were making a yeah. really reasonable request just to just to prove the, yeah, um, but... the, 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 the 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 desire for it, and then it went through this. That is the uh, Waka Kotahi, I think it was, uh, have been trying to design a, a crossing, and then they did, they came up with a plan to build a I think over seven hundred million dollar bridge dedicated to walking and cycling beside the Auckland Harbour Bridge. Yeah, I read this earlier this week. Yeah, the whole country said that's stupid. Like all of everyone cycling advocacy was like, "That's a stupid waste of money." You know, Mm. do liberate the lane, use up one lane for walking and cycling on the existing bridge, and then spend the six hundred and thirty million dollars you save on better and and more uh, access to cycling everywhere else that's that it's uh, required like pe- kids getting to school and essential workers getting to to their work in healthier ways so yeah, nobody I, liked that idea 
because I think that the bridge got pushed back this week, the idea for it. But it was like, can you go back to the original idea and get you a couple of traffic engineers to go, look, let's, let's see what's feasible with the existing infrastructure. A message from Victoria's community sector. I'm looking forward to not worrying that my patients are going to die of COVID. To no one else being separated from their mum in aged care. I'm looking forward to our wedding and having our family and friends from overseas here with us. I really want to see my mum. I'm looking forward to being able to welcome guests without a mask on. To having all the sports back to normal so that my family members can come and watch me play. I look forward to performing in front of a big crowd again. So please, get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Let's get back to the good things. I ask you to get vaccinated. For all of us. Please get vaccinated. A message from Victoria's community sector. A 3CR supporter. Getting back to Wellington, you guys have been doing a phenomenal amount of stuff during you know the last 12 months. You know, like your picnics in the park, a whole bunch of stuff. It's the sort of things you know, I'm looking at going, look, you know, people in Australia should be looking at what's happening in New Zealand because they really seem to be cracking on with things. But, you know, that Wellington Bike Love post series, that, that looks just amazing. You know, getting out yeah. and taking photos of people who just showing their simple appreciation for getting around a different way. Yeah, yeah, just regular people, eh? I, um, I've, I've been, I have been interviewed for the picnics and parks before. Description of the approach that I like to to repeat from that is called productive civil disobedience. Um, it's it's challenging the status quo, but doing it in a way that keeps everybody on side and actually makes it look really fun. It makes people think. It's not. It's not trying to beat people about the brow with anything it's just saying hey life city life and living and the way we get along can all be a whole lot better if we just stop and think about it yeah because there's a whole bunch of things that you're working across like um, wellington city council and also with your forgive my pronunciation correct the waka continini yeah that's yep. it that's like your like uh, national or state yeah yeah land transport um NZTA, New Zealand Transport Authority, is their previous or English uh, name as well. Yeah, but yeah. Waka yeah, in Māori. So that uh, that means Waka means uh, vehicle and Kotahi means one. So one vehicle, yeah. So like, you know, you've got things like the Brooklyn Road bike lane, like a tactical project is an, another one that you're working on. And Cobram Drive is another one. That's a separated piece of infrastructure. That was delivered, uh, opened uh, earlier this year. That was, yeah, part of the, uh, you know, existing um, work that was in progress as part of the cycling master plan. And that's beautiful. We managed to get the, the Minister of Transport to uh, meet us and I, uh, at the airport. So for one of his, just basically his commutes to Parliament, uh, we met him at the airport and I'd brought a folding e-bike in my cargo bike for him to ride. And then he rode back along the new Cobham Drive because he'd, he'd for, for, I guess for COVID and I forget when it was, but for a bunch of reasons, he didn't make the opening to the Cobham Drive bike lane. He arrived and rode back, rode all the way into Parliament with us along the new infrastructure. Yeah. I, call, I, call that, um, I call that fly cycling. When you, when you arrive by bike and then 
um, or, or you ride by plane and then and then bike away, or vice versa. Yeah, that was the Honourable Michael Wood. I'm just looking at the photos now. Yeah, the, you know, last yeah. one where you've you're actually at the Parliament House, the old the, the yep. Beehive, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that looks great. So, what's he like to work with? Is he um, like you know, on the day? Was he is he a cyclist or was he? Yeah, oh, he's learning about what. So I wouldn't. Uh, Dane to label him a cyclist, but uh, I bicycle rider. I, I should say, yeah. yeah. No, I know that. I know that he like as we were riding along that uh, that day, he was kind of like quizzing us about uh, what the best e-bikes were, and so mm. I don't know if he owns an e-bike yet, but I but he does. Um, uh, you know, he assured us he well he he rides to his office up in Auckland by bike, so he's already yeah he is cycling uh, a bunch, but he's quite keen on uh, getting an e-bike too. That's great. So you've also had things like parklets there too. Are they they still kind of they still going or they've tapered off? In there's terms of- there's one still in operation, if you like. We had a whole program of work um, that was very much in a in, in that sort of tactical uh, experimental, you know, engagement approach called called innovating streets, mm. and it was a bunch of funding through Wahakotahi uh, through the through the government to encourage councils to change up the way that they're working and do things in a more collaborative way with communities. The Brooklyn uh, bike uh, lane up the Brooklyn Hill bike lane was a local one for us. And the parklets was another one, which they built special platforms that uh, consumed parking spaces a few in a few places around the city. So that was part of that too. Yeah, so like with um, more people riding in Wellington, you'd say that uh, more people are like you know, riding as in commuting, getting to school, going about their, their daily things. Are you got like statistics on that? It's growing. I think in, in the AGM thing, I was just taking some data from the council's own like electric counters and we're sort of up 230% since uh, they started counting in the year 2000. It's going to keep growing. I think the thing is like keeping an eye on what your city council are going to do, like you know, make sure that they do put in that hundred and forty odd k of bike network to yeah. build in capacity, and that's you know that's going to be a big job. Keeping an it eye is, on. I think it's um like the the opportunity there is to you know enable Wellingtonians to come out just help make sure it happens we've got a local body election here um, late next year so it's no doubt this is all going to kick off and be a you know it's going to be make or break kind of stuff this all goes off they're going to get you know they're going to get rewarded but if it's um yeah it's it's, we'll see you know uh how well it goes down interesting times this next year like we'll we'll look back on 2021 as like oh that time where kind of almost nothing was going on (laughs) Just looking at like some of the things like your, your events and activities, you know, like you've got Tweed Ride, Bunch and Bikes and Brunch together. We ride, you know, you've got a film screening. You guys went up and uh, helped out with Liberate the Lane. You've had 40-odd picnics in parks. Also, the thing with Michael Wood, you know, you, you really are kicking on and showing because this is what, what advocacy groups do, what any type of groups do. You're, you're helping the – you're basically a voice of the local community and you're just amplifying what the existing need is or what the requirement is for, you know, just simply getting around another way other than, you know, a car. I think we share a lot of similarity with Australia. I, I, I'm just assuming, you know, I don't think it's out of place to sort of, we, we, we're fighting that um, stereotype of uh, that, that people only buy bikes to have fun and do recreation and get exercise. Yeah. And, um, and no, you know, so we, we, we pick what we do to really 
um, to really focus on like what we did today, you know, shifting someone's flat by cargo bike is just to really say, this is just part of everyday life and, and, you know, go about your everyday life, but try biking it. A slide in your AGM and it's from Doug Gordon. Yeah, he does Brooklyn Spoke. You don't reduce opposition by placating opponents. You do it by creating new supporters. And and what you, you've done, you know, I'm just saying, you know, um, collectively you, as in Cycle Wellington, it's a phenomenal amount of stuff you've done in 12 months. It certainly feels like it. We're just trying to do exactly what that, what that says on the tin is to keep growing more supporters. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. we've got a new website and a new platform and we're just trying to, uh, yeah, just get, get out there, do a lot more for um, inclusiveness as well. So mm. we've been doing... We've been trialling things like we had a month of Wednesdays for women and non-binary on Facebook. So for the 24 hours, all the guys could sit back and just listen for a change. Yep. And yeah, we're just trying to really press, uh, you know, that it's for everybody. And, you know, cycling is uh, something for all walks of life to enjoy. Our website is cyclewellington.org.nz. And at the bottom, you can find some of our social media, you know, Facebook and Twitter. We've got a t-shirt shop. We've got some, yeah, we've got a bunch going on. It's been great chatting to you, Alex. It's just hopefully when things are a little bit more tidied up, I'm not going to say normal because I don't think there's such a thing. It'd be great to come and have a look and vice versa at um, what's happening at at Wellington. This week's Yarra Bicycle User Group radio program should be podcast soon on 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast or go to yarrabug.org forward slash radio if you want to find additional details of what we discussed today. These podcasts are produced at Melbourne's activist radio station 3CR. Presenters are all volunteers and 3CR's existence depends upon the financial support of our listeners. Go to 3cr.org.au Click on the support tab and select either donate, subscribe, shop or fundraisers. Your subscription or donation keeps 3CR on air. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.